Gardening with Cisco is brought to you by GNB Organics. And bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco, June 30. So, uh, holy cats, July is on the way. So that means that uh, in about five days, summer will start. <laughs> Never starts till the 4th of July. People told me that when I moved here, and I thought, oh, come on. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> Although, I got to admit, May was summer here this year. So, uh, okay. Hey, listen, I'm going to introduce a really great guest in just a minute. But first, I want to do what I always do, and that's I just want to say hi to everyone that I saw while I was speaking or doing different things uh, this week. And uh, so uh, I had so much fun at the uh, Northwest Perennial Association Hardy Plant Study Weekend was just a blast. So great, great speakers. And then after that, the garden tours were just so fun. You know, it's so cool because uh, you get to see so many different, really great gardens and uh, some with fantastic art, some with really rare plants, color combinations to die for. So I love going on garden tours because you learn so much. And then I had the great honor of being the MC at the big soiree on uh, Saturday night. And uh, I had to give awards to the people with the best garden costumes on. That was so hard. Oh, la, la. <laughs> but it sure was fun. So, uh, hey, everybody, it was nice seeing you. That I saw so many friends and uh just a terrific event. So again, uh, just reminded uh, the Nash, uh, Northwest uh, Perennial Association is a great group, and uh, I, there's undoubtedly a link in my uh, website, or you can just do a search on them and find out if you want to join that. Okay, so uh, one last thing, and that's I can't wait to see all you uh, wonderful people who came to. Uh, Ireland with me, and uh, we're having a big party today. Now, uh, there's two groups of people that went to Ireland because I was over there for a month leading two tours. So this is uh, this group uh, is one. So you guys in the other group, I'm going to miss seeing you today, but you got to uh, somebody's got to get uh, get get uh, together and throw a party at your house so we can have a reunion for you guys too. <laughs> But I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. It's going to be really, really fun today. And uh, I can't wait to see Pat's uh, tropical garden. He's been adding tropical plants. So this is pretty exciting. Okay, right now we are uh, going to talk to Paul Bodine. And uh, hey, Paul, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, Bonine. Sorry, I called you Bodine. <laughs> hey, uh, I am doing great. It, I haven't seen you for a while because uh, we don't have that uh, Oregon uh, patio and garden show anymore down there. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I've, so just to let people know who you are, uh, you are the co-owner of Zira Plants in Portland, Oregon, where you sell really incredible, unusual plants. And I bought quite a few from you <laughs> down oh, there at all wonderful. those Portland shows. And uh, you, it's a wonderful nursery. I've never had a chance to go there, but I'm dying to do it. And I know you throw a big open every year. So when I 
Maybe this will be the year I'll get a chance to come down there. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I'd love it. Hey, so, uh, you know, uh, not only that, you're a, you're a garden writer or lecturer, and uh, you, you've you uh, worked in Sunset uh, Garden Book. You advised them. So you've been uh, you've been doing gardening for a long time, huh? Oh yeah, a long time. Well, it's incredible. Thirty years. Uh, how thirty? Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. I think we're all getting old. You know. <laughs> well, hey, I love your book, Gardening in the Pacific Northwest, and you call it the Complete Homeowner's Guide. You've got mm-hmm. plant picks in there, great growing advice, and uh, also just some great uh, style tips for how to have a great garden. What made you decide to write this book? Um, Timber Press talked to me about it, and we wanted a, a book, a comprehensive book that was kind of for beginners and experienced people, and uh, that's what we came up with. Well, you came up with a really good book, and I, I should mention you co-authored it with uh, Amy Campion, who uh, yes. she took the pictures, right? Yes, yes. Wow, she's a great photographer. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's some great pictures in here. So uh, so you're aiming this for both beginners and uh, expert gardeners, huh? That's right. That's Yeah. It's really got some great stuff in it. I like, you know, you talk. You start by talking about the climate, which is so important. You know, I think a lot of people, especially people moving in to, you know, I'm thinking of the Seattle area, but the whole Pacific Northwest, they they think they're coming to the rainiest place on earth, huh? And it's they not like there, that, really. It rains all the time. Yeah, yeah. and here we have the one of the, we're, we have a Mediterranean climate. It's one of the driest summers you get anywhere, and people yeah, yeah. just, they're not prepared for that, huh? Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> they don't know how it really dries out here. Oh, man, it gets so dry. So you got a nice section on how to water, because that's the mm-hmm. hardest thing for non-gardeners to do, don't you think? It's, I think so, for sure. It's a hard thing to understand how to water. I mean, even... I have a huge uh, succulent collection at my house. They're all in pots. I'm never uh-huh. sure how much water to give them, you know. <laughs> it's hard oh, no, to figure hard. out. Yeah. I, and I confess, I have murdered a good number oh, of yeah. plants by overwatering them. Because, you know, I think it's one of the plant picks you have in there is Grevillea Victoria. Wonderful yeah. plant that just feeds the hummingbirds all winter long. It's one of my favorite uh-huh. plants. It's so gorgeous, you know, with that silver under the leaves. And yet, you know, uh-huh. I planted it too close to a banana. I'm always uh-huh. trying to keep the banana growing fast, so giving it tons of water. And even though it was pretty far away, it was enough water got over there to rot the roots on the poor guy, and that was the end of that, you know. Yeah, together they don't do well. No, no. So that's one of the good things you wrote in your book is like, you know, don't don't be a dim-dim and plant a banana next to a gravilla, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and uh so I like your uh your special tips that you've got in here too, like one of them I really liked was how to break up clay soil. Oh yeah. You know, I That's never fun. 
I never knew about that, putting in uh, alfalfa pellets into the soil. Oh, yeah, it works great. Yeah, you know, I'm going to try that now. But because, uh, you know, I I worked at Seattle U for 24 years. I directed the grounds care there. And yep. uh, we had so much clay soil. And I'm talking clay. You could take oh. some of that soil Make a little statue, put it in the sun, and you had a you had a sculpture <laughs> right there. <laughs> and most of the time, we you know built up raised beds over the soil so we could grow things. Yeah. But I never, I would have tried that. It would have been cool to give that a shot. Oh yeah, it works. It works really well, and it's um, inexpensive too. Yeah, so it's a great tip. So about uh, how much? Uh, how much? Uh, of those alfalfa pellets do you put in? Just one even layer. Oh, okay. And then they get hot. They get hot and they expand, and it breaks uh-huh. up the soil. That, uh-huh. that is a really cool tip. So, oh, thanks. It does it mechanically and it does it chemically. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good one. So... um so you've got a lot of good tips in here on how to irrigate, how to you know solve pest solutions, really good ones like you've and you've got lists of plants like that can uh, that are resistant to verticillium wilt, you know, because that is that as bad down in Oregon as it is up here. Horrible. Yeah, it's it's, it's a bad, bad soil borne fungus that just I see it get a lot of Japanese maples. Yes. And I suspect that's what's killing a lot of these um, uh, red bud trees up here, too. If that's what kills our red buds. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So, so you know, and I, I kind of had to, you know, I agreed with your whole idea. You know, you try to keep the plant going, take off the dead. But at some point, if you can't beat it, you know, try a new plant. Try something that's resistant because... Uh, and don't be dropping dirt all the way through the garden as you're carrying out the diseased plant. That's the dumbest thing you can do, you know. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of good solutions. So, hey, uh, how did you pick the plant choices that you have for each area? By the way, I should tell people listening because a lot of people listen to the show from the other side of the mountains, you know. Uh, and that is, you've got plant choices for both sides of the mountains here, and you let people know which climates your plant choices work the best in. That, and I wanted to include both sides of the Cascades. Yeah, it's really important. The, a lot of the, the, there's a lot of population growth east of the Cascades, and um, those people need to have as many resources for gardening as they can. Yeah, so that's one thing I really like about this book. It works on both sides of the Cascades. How'd you pick the plants you picked? I love mo- almost every one you picked. I like. <laughs> How'd I pick? I went through. Um, I went through lists and lists of other people's lists. <laughs> I ah. went through um, things that I had grown mostly, and then things that I thought were kind of new and and might be interesting for people to kind of pique their interest. Yeah, and then I. I put some good old standbys on there. Yeah, and I think I think you need those. But I love things like Disporum, Night Heron, you know. Oh, that's such oh, a yeah. cool plant, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That dark foliage. That. Yeah, that had to be in there. But there was lots of 
There was one uh, steep uh, that silver uh, grass. I never even heard of that one before. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know grass. why. I didn't know about it. That grass. Yeah, it's funny because oh, I know Stipa gigantea, and I think that's one of the coolest plants you can get. But mm-hmm. I never. And, um, well, Stipa barbata, silver feather grass, is one of our best sellers. It's just, uh, it's, it, people are obsessed with it because it trails two feet in the wind and blows, you know, like gold streamers. It's very, it's beautiful. It looks spectacular in the picture you got in there. Yeah, I may have to try it out one, you know, that's for sure. So. That's it, a, it likes a lot of neglect. Well, listen, I'm sorry to say that I got to take a break, so I think we're going to end this. But, um, Paul, first of all, it's nice talking to you again now that I haven't seen you, you for a year or two here up there. And yeah. uh, I just want everybody to know that, um, Zira uh, Nursery is a great nursery. You do uh, mail order, don't you? Nope, nope, no, no mail order. So, mainly. Mainly to buy from Zira, you got to go to a plant sale that you're at. Is that accurate? Yeah, or our retail store in Portland. Oh, okay. You got? I didn't know you had a retail store. Oh yeah. Well, that probably saved me a lot of money not knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, it's a great nursery. So uh, anybody going down there, just uh, hey, there's a link right on the front page, Cisco. dot com to Zira Plants, so you can Thank find you. out where it is. And we also have a link to Gardening in the Pacific Northwest, so you can find out how to buy this great book, uh, learn a little more about it. But uh, hey, Paul, congratulations! You did a great job. You. you and Amy, uh, you're top of the line on this book. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Cisco. Okay, have great. A good day. Great talking to you, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. So, yeah, it's fun because I, I meet so many cool people uh, going around giving talks down in Oregon and up in Canada. And uh, so this is quite a good book. I'm impressed with it. So if it'll really help you. if You know, I think even if you're an advanced gardener, you're going to get a lot out of it. If you're just moving to the Pacific Northwest or something, you will love this book so much. Okay, hey, listen, we best take a break, but I want to give the numbers before we do. one 973 cairo one 973 These lines couldn't be more open in a billion years, so you'll get right in. <laughs> All right, hey, we'll be right back, 97.3 Cairo FM. Hey, welcome back, and uh, Phyllis, thanks a lot for giving me a call here at 97.3 Cairo FM. How you doing? Who, who are you calling? Is this Phyllis? Yes, it is. Hey, hi. You're on hi. with me. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Good talking to you. Nice talking um, to you. My question to you is, I was given a, a bucket full of coffee grounds from uh, Starbucks, and I'm trying to figure out how to use them in the garden. Oh, okay. Well, you have to be a little careful with coffee grounds. I used to think you could just uh, use them any way you want, but you can overdo it a little bit. So, uh, okay. But what I usually do is just work them into the ground around the plant. Mm-hmm. And you could probably, you know, use a cup around an average size plant, something like that. But then okay. don't do it again for at least six weeks. Okay. But here's here's one thing. 
Uh, if you use them, uh, don't use them as a sheet mulch. Some people do that sometimes. So they put it down around the plant and just leave it on the surface. And what it gets the ugliest mold on it you've ever oh, seen. So, uh, uh, you know, you want to, you just don't want to overdo it any more than that. So, but it, I think okay. it's got some nitrogen in it. It's got some good things. So, uh, use just use carefully, and I think it's just great. Okay, so like a good be around uh, tomato plants and that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't see you any don't reason why you couldn't use it around tomato plants. Now, it used to be everybody thought that it was too acid, but it's not. Uh-huh. Once you make. Once it's used to make coffee, it's hardly acid at all, so you don't have to worry about it. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. That helps me a lot. Now, I have one more quick question, if I may. Okay. Um, how is it, is it, can you get a wood chips too thick around trees? The only way, here's the way we used them for 20, uh, 24 years when I worked at Seattle U as a mulch. But we never let it go up the trunks of any tree or shrub. So we always right. started at ground level and worked up. But you can go six inches deep or more between the plants if you want. Okay. Yeah. Cause That's that, what I was wondering. And it breaks down into the best topsoil you've ever seen. And it doesn't stop oxygen and moisture from going through. Wood chips are great. They're just terrific. And uh, they give you a pretty good weed control, too, if you get them thick like that. Yeah, that that was what I had my yard man uh, put him around um, an Italian plum tree, and I went out there and I wow, you know, they were like he really wants a weed stock to come back, so he really it put them at least six inches thick, I'm sure. Yeah, but what, not around not around the trunk. Perfect. He, I told him to keep him away from the trunk. He's doing a great job. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, Cisco. Good talking to you. Nice talking to you, Phyllis. Thanks for calling. All righty. Bye. Okay, bye bye. All right. Time for the news. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Moldax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Hey, I want to give one quick tip about that last caller using um, coffee grounds. That if you have a puppy that tends to eat everything they can get their hands on, like I do, make sure that you bury any ground you use into the ground around the plant. Don't leave them on the surface. There's there's supposedly not much of what can harm a puppy once the grounds have been used, but if they eat enough of it, it could cause some problems. So you want to be careful in that regard. Hey, let's go to Kirkland. We're talking to Brian now. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Hey, Cisco, how are you? Hey, fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Good. Hey, um, so I just wanted to let you know that, you know, everybody knows that Cisco is world famous. Um, so, uh, But I, I don't think you know that uh, some of us are famous due to being associated with you. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, so <laughs> I wanted to tell you, so a friend of mine, took her sister and mom to the Chelsea Flower and Garden Show. Oh. And and as she she was showing them uh, those veggie pods, those raised beds that I, that I call chuck wagons, um, 
Um, so she's showing them the veggie pods, and the owner walked up to her and asked her where she's from. And when she said Seattle, he said, oh, do you know Brian? Um, <laughs> so, so, Whoa. And then, and, and then he said, uh, do you know Brian plays tennis with Cisco? So, uh, <laughs> wow. Let you know that. Hey, yeah. I'm going to have to get your autograph next time I see you. That's right. We'll have to take a photo together, and we'll uh, we'll both sign it. All right, it's a deal. <laughs> so, uh, um, but uh, hey, I was going to ask you though. Um, you know, the, some people use those horse troughs as as raised beds. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking of maybe next year using those for tomatoes, and I don't know if you know any if that's a good idea or or not. I don't know of any harm in that at all. I, I don't think that, you know, anything comes off those uh, galvanized uh, tubs that would be harmful in any way. I don't know of anything. And um, I think the key, that the, the only thing I've seen with those water troughs to go wrong is people uh, put a lot of drain holes in them. Then they stick them right on the ground and they don't draw, they won't drain well and i have seen in the winter i've seen ones just full to the top with water even though the people you know told me hey no we put all these drain holes but uh, right if they're sitting on like muddy soil or something it may not drain through so the one thing i'd say is put them on bricks something like that raise them up so you got good drainage yeah okay but other than that, I I don't know of any harm uh, by eating plants that you grow in those. Okay. Yeah. And, cool. Uh, That's we're, we're we're eating tomatoes already, so I think it's oh, going to be a bumper. Quit bragging bumper now. <laughs> yeah. How'd you get tomatoes already? <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, the greenhouse helps, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that would that would make a big difference. I'll tell you what. Well, I've got some that are about to turn red, I think, so I'm not too far behind. But yeah, okay. so I think those galvanized they warm up fast. That's one thing I've heard about them that uh, when the sun shines on them, they warm up and it warms the soil up inside much quicker than like soil in the ground, especially. Or even, you know, if you had raised beds with, you know, some kind of wood or something, uh, they yeah. they warm up fast, and so you really get a jump on growing things in the spring. Yeah, yeah. That I know, cool. and, and one other thing, I, my spaghetti squashes, some of them are the size of footballs already, so it's going to be a great year for that. Oh, boy, well, that's pretty nice. Well, you know, uh, I think that dry May really got things kicking. It was nice and warm and dry. Of course, now we're back to Junevember again, but uh, what can you do, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, here's the big question. You got any Brussels sprouts growing over there? No, I, I stopped doing those. We have so many rabbits. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got them too now. There's a rabbit epidemic going on like crazy. You know, a woman sent me the name of, uh, it's a dried blood product that you could sprinkle around, supposed to really repel them. I forgot I was going to write that down and bring it today. But I will bring that next week. I'll tell the name of that uh, product because it really, people say it really works. So I'm going to try it at my house. 
Yeah, and I think because uh, you had uh, was it Marianne Benetti on? You had someone on that uh, rec- I think recommended Bobak. Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, I've heard that didn't work for rabbits. Okay, it worked for deer, but not rabbits. Yeah, it works great for deer. Yeah, I think that was Nita Joe Roundtree was on, and she, she lives in the middle of Bellevue, and she gets up one morning. There's two deer out in her garden. She couldn't believe her eyes, you know, right in the heart of Bellevue. So a lot of animals are they're getting displaced. And so yeah. they, they're trying to find somewhere to live right now. So um that could be quite a problem. So um uh I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna try to uh skid something. I can't remember what, but uh I promise I'll okay. tell everybody next week. Okay. Yeah, because uh, it might help. I mean, it's that or get a BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing me, I couldn't hit I couldn't hit a rabbit at twelve paces, so it's no use. <laughs> Plus, I don't want to hurt the little guys. I just don't want them to eat my plants. Right, right. You just have to somehow get them to eat your neighbor's plants instead. Yeah, of that or if if they went on Mary's side of the garden, that's all right. But. Uh, <laughs> Well, listen, hey, you take care, and uh, but uh, no more bragging about getting the first tomatoes here. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, Brian. Hey, thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. Hey, see ya. Bye. Okay, we're going to take a break. Matt, when we come back, we'll uh, chat with you and see what's going on over in Stanwood on 97.3 Cairo FM. You're listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. Hey, maybe we'll get some rain today. I don't want to get rain today because I'm going to a great party after this, but you get what you get, and it's nice when it waters the plants. Hey, there's a couple of great, uh, three really great garden tours going on, two this weekend. So the Whatcom Horticultural Society uh, they're having their tour, and uh, you can click on that in events in Cisco.com, find out where to get tickets and everything. Georgetown is having a garden walk Sunday, July 8th, from 10 to 5. So, hey, those are all next weekend. Sorry, I'm a dim-dim here. And, uh, hey, it's totally free. No reservation or tickets uh, needed. There's live music. You visit artist studios. Sounds so cool. So a map is available on the day of the tour at Georgetown Bank of America, Bank of America parking lot. And uh, Edmonds and Bloom on Sunday, July 15th from 11 to 4, seven gardens. A lot of fun. Okay. Hey, let's go to Matt right now in Stanwood. Hey, Cisco. Um, good to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks for um, calling. So I am a native Washingtonian, and I was raised picking the wild blackberries all my life. And uh, so I'm pretty good at sniffing them out these days. But the problem that I'm running into is I'm, I'm finally finding some nice patches close to the house, and I think I've, I've finally found the mother load. And, <laughs> and I, they, they're flowered all beautifully and everything. And then when it finally comes time to produce some fruit, it's Everything is blighted, and I'm always so disappointed. And 
I even transplanted some to my yard, and I'm running into that same issue. And my mom's had the same issue with the, the wild berries in her yard, and wondering if you can shed some light onto what's going on there. Well, I remember a couple of years ago at least, I wrote an article in the Seattle Times that there was a rust that was attacking blackberries down in Oregon. And it's funny because I haven't heard much about it, but I wrote, watch out, because it's going to come up here. Now, I this is the first I've heard about any problem with blackberries, but I haven't been out picking. So I suspect that rust has moved up. Rusts are really causing a lot of problems. You know, pears are just getting slammed, service berries. So... I wouldn't be surprised. I'm willing to bet anything that what you're getting is a rust on those wild blackberries. And it wouldn't surprise me. We've been getting all this rain lately and uh, cool temperatures, rain that's made for rust. And um, so I think if if you're going to grow your own uh, blackberries, it, you might have to spray them to keep this from happening now. Let me just say for everybody out there, I'm not sure this is a rust, but I just, I remember it was in Oregon moving up and uh, it had already shown up in Washington and it was a big problem for people who are growing, you know, their own blackberries in their garden. So I think you're going to have to, you know, spray maybe something like, I'm not sure now, but maybe something like neem oil might work as long as you spray before there's any fruit on the on the plant and you got to get it on there before the rust spores can germinate on the leaves because once that happens it's in there you can't do a thing about it you know and then it gets on the fruit and it's a real mess so so that's spray that after it flowers but before the fruit starts no i think you know i think for a rust you got to spray the minute the new leaves start to grow and then you've got to do it Probably, you know, every, you're not going to like hearing this, <laughs> every two weeks till it stops raining. And uh, the problem is, you know, once the fruit's on there, I don't think you can put oil on a, on a blackberry. So, you know, if the rains continue, you might have to switch to a different rust control. I'm not sure what all's out there. You'd have to go to your garden center and find out what they got. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of hassle to do. That's the problem. Yeah, sounds like it's probably more more effort than it's worth. I think it is more effort than it's worth. If you had, you know, surprise blackberries and were growing really a lot of them, then I think it might be worth the effort, you know. But uh, other, And if you don't time them just right, then you get the rust anyway. It's pretty tough to fight things like rust, so... Pretty darn positive that's probably what um, you're seeing in the blackberries. I'm going to start looking around, see if I can spot what it is myself. Okay, well, they're they're uh, ripe for picking right now. Oh, boy. And are they good or what? Oh. oh, the best pies in the world. Oh, yeah, the best pie in the world. I agree, hands down. And with uh, hot out of the oven with ice cream on top. Oh, my God, I'm about to burst into tears here as I talk. Oh, la, la. (laughs) All right, well, thank you very much, Cisco. All right, Matt, thank you so much. Okay, hey, let's, 
Uh, all right, everybody, we have three minutes. If you call this second to one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six, you might get your question answered, but I can't guarantee it. But if you want to call in, if you got one, you uh, might want to do that. But uh, in the meantime, I think I'm going to just mention one other thing that I talked about with Paul Bonin, and that is that uh, you really um, you really want to be careful if you get verticillium wilt and it kills, let's say, your Japanese maple in your garden. So verticillium wilt is a soil-borne fungus, and it's just out there in nature, and a healthy tree can resist it. But if we overwater or uh, we don't water enough, then uh, trees can start getting stressed out. And when that happens, then this fungus finds its way into the root system and works its way into the tree and just clogs up the whole uh, water movement uh, parts of the tree. And uh, so what you see is like one branch on your Japanese maple die. And so you cut that off. You think, huh, I wonder what killed that. You cut that off. Then next year, another one dies, and the leaves just stay on there. They stay brown. And sometimes you come out, and the whole tree's just dead. Other times, they just go downhill over time. Uh, working a little compost around the tree might help because uh, there have been studies that show that there are so many microorganisms in compost that they fight battles with the the bad guys in the soil, and they might keep some of that verticillium and check. But if it ends up killing the tree, then you, you want to go online and find out uh, trees or shrubs, whatever you want, that are resistant to verticillium wilt and put those in. And uh, that'll, that should solve the problem. But if you dig out that tree, put it in something, put it in a giant tarp, something so you can get it out of the yard without spilling that soil all around, or you're going to be spreading verticillium through your garden. You don't want to do that. Oh, la, la. If uh, you do that, your wife will cut you off from uh, Brussels sprout casseroles for at least three weeks. Okay, listen, this show is about to bite the dust. Brian, thank you so much. We'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye.